Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 566. And right off the bat, Jeff, have you heard the news? I have not. What's the news? They found water on Mars. Oh, I did hear that. Did yes. you hear that? Did you hear that? This is just breaking news today, folks, and we've got to and now we're broadcasting this live on Wednesday the 25th if you're watching this on demand after the fact. This is huge. I mean, beneath the ice cap of Mars's uh, southern hemisphere, the southern massive pool, pool of water. They found a massive pool of what they believe is salt water. Right. So they don't believe that it can host life. But it gives them hope that maybe, maybe, maybe they'd find something that's a little less salty. Yep. I just had to, I had to mention that off the top of the show. It was exciting news. That is very exciting news. Yep. Um, so they believed that uh, water did at one point flow on the surface, but because of the atmosphere on Mars, it just can't exist there and it would evaporate. Uh, but today, um, they announced that under the surface of the uh, of the pole is water and possibly a lake system. There you go, Matt Damon. I can't wait to hear more. Grow your potatoes can't wait to hear that. more. Okay, so on this show, yes, on Category 5 Technology TV this week, now you notice it's just Jeff and I, and we go way back, and we are audio nerds. Yeah. We love sound. And in fact, we've brought our friend with us here tonight, our binaural audio rig, and he records in binaural 3D audio. So tonight, we're going to be reviewing a pair of Bluetooth headphones that'll blow your mind. They're not like any other Bluetooth headphones you've seen. They've got an added feature that you are not going to believe. Also, a set of speakers that's so affordable, and yet, they look great, and they sound amazing. I can't wait. Stick around. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Either Jeff is back or Sasha has grown a beard. I'm voting for Sasha's gotten hairy. There you go. There you go. Okay, Sasha's away tonight. She wants us to relay the message. Hello. That's that's that literally that's that was, the whole message. Yeah. I would have thought more. Say hello. I would have thought there'd been more like more love. Oh yeah, like I miss you. No, here's some pictures. Hi. Just hello. Yeah. So that's all you get, folks. That's all you get. So send send your emails to Sasha at Category Five TV. How you been, man? Good. Uh, For the last three weeks, I have not been here, and I I haven't even bothered to say hello. Ah, what a jerk. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You know, it's ridiculous. Summer, you're supposed to be able to chill and relax. Yeah. But work has just gotten so busy. Is that what it's been? I was saying last week, like, I don't know why Jeff isn't here. Yeah, it's it's been work. It's, uh, I think last week I was... Did we not pay you enough? No, you don't. Oh. You really, really don't. Uh. Yeah. That whole volunteer thing. All I asked for yeah. was for a package of nerds, but no. That's all you need? A package of nerds, man. Oh. It's a tech show. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you meant you wanted me to be here. 
Well, you're always here. My nickname is Package of Nerds. <laughs> it's Bald Nerd. <laughs> All right, whatever. Just nerd this, nerd that, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just been busy with work. And uh, I think there was, it's, it was either last week or the week before, I was planning to be here. Mm-hmm. And uh, just things went awry. And about an hour and a half before the show, I'm like, I'm not going to make it. You know, and sometimes it just, it's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. And then Robbie does the mad dash to move the cameras around and everything else. Not to guilt trip you or anything, but I hope you feel guilty. I don't at all. No? All right. Yeah. Well, what's new in your tech world? Is there any new (sighs) device that's making you excited? Uh, I'm still wrestling with my O-Droid. With your XU4. Yeah. And when you say you're wrestling, like, it's really small, and, and you would overpower it. Believe it or not, it's kicking my butt. What's going on? It has no internet. It has no internet. Okay, yes. so the XU4 is a device from Odroid. It's, yep. it's about the form factor of a Raspberry Pi, and it's a single-board computer. But yep. it's got eight cores. It's got two gigs of RAM. It's a power horse mm-hmm. as far as that goes. So why no internet? Well, so if you remember about... I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago, I mentioned that I had gotten the Odroid and I, was, I found a version of Raspberry Pi or RetroPie Retro that Pi, I could get yeah. on it. Yeah. And so what had happened is I loaded that onto the SD card. I was playing some games. It was great. And then I'm like, oh, why am I leaving my Bluetooth controllers hooked up? So I went out, bought a Bluetooth dongle. Oh, yes. Plugged that in. And I was like, oh, I need to do an update to get you know, yeah. the, something for the drivers to work. And I couldn't connect to the internet for whatever reason i couldn't download and had you just not connected to the internet i I hadn't had a need to because Mm. all of my roms were on there i was enjoying everything yeah no need to do an update because i had the latest version of this software and uh, i was trying to do you know an app get upgrade up get uh, uh, update all that kind of stuff nothing was working like this is driving me nuts Mm. so finally i started going into the back end programming of it and for whatever reason there is no internet it, it's huh. just not picking up signal from. So an app update was just telling you couldn't find the host. That's correct. So, did you try turning it off and on again? I did. Yeah. About a thousand with times. the Ethernet cable plugged in. Ethernet cable plugged in and the both ends. Both it's plugged like, into the router on the other yes, end. Yes, I even switched it from my um, Turtle Coin Miner. Yeah. My Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Use that same cable. Oh, you're losing like ten cents a month. I know. Well, no, no, just to test it. So yeah. I took that cable, plugged into the Odroid, nothing. But then I plugged okay. the cable back in. But did you reboot while it was plugged in to get DHCP? Everything. I've all done right. it all. I even contacted um, the, the company that Hard I bought it from. Oh, okay. And, and they're like, yeah, sometimes uh, it will come, the internet will come disabled. Here's instructions to turn it on. Mm. And the software did mm-hmm. that, nothing. So okay. that's my big And wrestle. that's hard to do when you don't have an internet connection. How yes. do you apt get install a module for the kernel when you don't have an internet connection? Yes. So, so that's been my big tech. Okay. New. <laughs> so what you need to rule out is the network interface controller, of course. Yep. I suspect that the distro that you're using, this RetroPie build, perhaps was built to be headless off or not headless but I offline wiped, i wiped it out Wi- and then what and did you install i installed debian and uh, it still didn't give you still networking did not work hmm. see so this is the nice thing about the sbc's jeff is that you could just grab a second sd card for experimenting yes start trying different distros see which one works um yeah. try ubuntu mate works great on uh, on a xu4 yep um, they have builds right on the Heart Kernel website for download in the wiki. Yeah, I tried. I hmm. tried uh, headless. I tried yeah uh, with uh, like a GUI. 
uh, so you get right to the desktop. Yeah. I tried everything. And nothing. Nothing's working. So I'm wondering if the device itself is actually just toast as far as Ethernet hmm. goes. I can't imagine that. Well, that's what I thought. They're really good devices. Like, they're well built. I know. But I've been so busy the last three weeks. Yeah. It's just been sitting there and I can't you got to play it. with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's, uh, that's what's new for me in the huh. tech world. That should be a show. Bring it in. We'll, we'll figure it out. I, I would love to do that. And I, quite frankly, I'd love to do it live just to yeah, see if yeah. I could stump you. You know what would be another good test is to take your SD card out, yep. plug it into my XU4, oh. and boot it. Hmm. And see, like that would rule, pardon me, that would rule out the uh, network interface controller. That's true, it would. Mm-hmm. See, I don't have a second XU4. Maybe I just need I do. another XU4. You need 10 of them. I do. And you can buy them through our store. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, bring it in. Bring in the uh, the device and the card. I'll plug it into my XU4. Sure. We'll boot it. We'll see if it has networking. If it doesn't, we know it's the distro. Right. Although you've tried a couple different distros, and that's kind of weird. Yeah. But we could also plug your XU4 into my network and see if it gets DHCP. Maybe it's a networking yes. issue. Well, that could be. It's possible. Do you get an IP address? Like, these Nothing. are the things, like, can you do, like, a, 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 can you set your IP statically in it, it network slash interfaces? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But mm. the weird part is, my network picks it up. You see it on I, the network? I can see it on my network. No. Yes. No, you can't. 100%. It's not possible. I can see it on my so network. So you get a local IP. From So this is a DNS issue. From my network, but the device itself will not pick up anything so you need to look at um, slash etc slash resolve there's a file there no open that file with nano or something yep and that has the cache of the dns resolver so maybe 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 what's happened is that your dns resolver is using the one that person the person who developed the software used and if they're say in the uk and they don't allow Canadian users to connect to their d- DNS server. So what you can do is you can edit That's that resolve file. Extreme getting to that. But you're getting an IP address. Not on my device. But you're saying you see it in the DHCP pool. Uh, yeah. On the router. Yeah, on the router. So you're getting an IP. And you could find the IP no, address the in the router. The, the router sees it, but it's not giving me an IP. It sees the device. And for the IP, it comes up question marks. Like that... Th- this is my challenge. I want to see this, Jeff. I want you to bring this in. This is going to be I'll like next, next week's show or something. Yeah. <laughs> just bring it in. Sure. Let's just that. make it a show. Let's it's, figure it's, it out. It's wild. Drive me th- I've never run into anything like this. Has anyone else run into something like that? One of the funnest things about single board computers, these little itty-bitty computers, is that you can just tinker, play around, yes. wipe the card, reinstall, put in another SD card, try other things. Oh, yeah. But if you're running into a snag like that, I'd want to plug it into a different network and just see if it's that. But check your resolve file and set it to, uh, like, Google's DNS servers, like 8.8.8.8. Tried that. Tried that. I I kid you not, I've probably spent 10 hours at least playing with it, trying different things. I had no issue with, like, blowing up the software just trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. because I just reinstall it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was... Yeah, it, it was at the point my my wife's like, I, th- I think you need to give it a break. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's driving me nuts. And even the foo is reiterating my comment, like, bring it in so that we can try it on a different sure. network. Maybe it's your DHCP server doesn't play nicely with the XU4, which would explain it. Maybe uh, there's a... Did that happen? Yeah. Really? Sure. I Why mean, not? What would cause that, though? I don't know. <laughs> I don't Ma- know. Mac address conflict? 
maybe That's did it work at one point? Did it work at one? T- <laughs> did it work at one point? No, it never worked on the never, network. Never worked. Tried on a different network. network just to rule it out. Troubleshooting is fun. Yeah, figure Except it I've out. Got by, one network at home. Yeah, I got one here. I got one at home. <laughs> yeah. I got one at work. Maybe we'll do it for a show. There you go. There you go. Yeah, so that's my life. Any, so that's your tech fun for That's the week? my tech fun. But re- truthfully, it really is fun. Like, it's fun to play around with that kind of stuff, and it's fun to troubleshoot, and you're mm-hmm. like, I've never tried that before. Oh, I've never been in this file before. And so you get to just, through the process of it, get more familiar. Sure. So that is... Uh, that's part of the is fun, fun, isn't it? Exactly. That's what I say. It's I've, been, I've been doing um, bug fixing. Yes. And I'm a programmer, and programmatically, I'm bug fixing like crazy. And through the process of bug fixing... Uh, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I'm learning how certain things work. Like right now, I'm dealing with a kernel issue on a Pine A64 Plus, and because of that, I'm having to learn how to compile in new modules to my kernel and, and figure this kind of stuff out. So, wow. so I'm learning. I today had an issue on one of our servers at work, and I was playing around, and I, and I realized that I needed to write a Python script, and I don't know Python. So I had to do some Googling, and I had to write a Python script. Man, it's been years since I've programmed in Python. I think I was like 17. I do a lot of Bash. I do a lot of PHP. And I do some pretty cool stuff with Bash. And some cool stuff with PHP. Don't be a hater. (laughs) Come on now. There's still validity in PHP. PHP is capable. That's right. Python was the very first language I ever programmed in. Oh, yeah? Yep. GW Basic for me. Really? Yeah, I was a little bit earlier than you. MS-DOS. Was the first. Well, MS-DOS then, is a, an OS. So what was your language? You would have been in QBasic. Yes. Yeah, it was QBasic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was grade Takes five. Takes me back. Yeah. For computer Nice. Class. Touring and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Python for the win says LeechinX1. It's great to see you, chat room. Nice to see so many folks. Friendly, familiar faces. We've got Solbu there. Garby. Uh, I do see Al Peck. Big Kitty is there with us as well as C128D. Who else is joining us here? Lots of people. I mentioned the Foo is here with us. Nice to see you. Wayward One is here. Storm Chaser 3000 is also joining us. It's nice to see you again this mm-hmm. week. And uh, incidentally, Storm Chaser 3000 says their first programming language was Scratch. Oh. Oh, you're just a young one. Yeah, I'll Just say. a young one. <laughs> but that's a great base because you're yes. learning syntax. And if you learn syntax, like I'm learning... Now I'm teaching myself Python, and so syntax from PHP mm, sort of translates. I think there's a really good translation between PHP and Bash. Mm-hmm. Certainly, you know, like the indentation doesn't matter as much as it does in, say, um, in, in Python. Right. But uh, well, I'm learning, and once you learn syntax, you can kind of translate that information, that, that knowledge to other languages, and I think that's a great, great thing. Indeed. All right. All right. I want to say thank you to all of our patrons this week. And some folks have also thrown a little extra in the tip jar or even bought a Category 5 T-shirt, things like that. Just various ways that you can support Category 5 TV. Our internet installation is paid for. Our rent is paid for. We are all volunteers here. uh, But you supporting Category 5 TV is what makes us able to do this for free. 
whether you're watching this online, which is probably where our biggest expenses lie, like yep. just producing the show, having a studio space, doing the show, and then putting it up online for people to be able to download for free and watch for free, that costs, a lot, uh, that costs us a lot of money. And if you're watching on cable TV, you know, that's a little bit different because mm -hmm. it's, we don't have the same bandwidth expenses on that. But there are time considerations that's with right. that and the uh, extra time that goes into providing the, uh, the video files to your cable network. Um, so we appreciate you supporting us in any way that you see uh, as a, a way that you want to support us. And for those of you who have this week, we appreciate that very, very much. I did this week. Thanks, man. Amazon Prime Day. Hey. <laughs> oh, yeah. We d you weren't here last week. So d uh, do you want to tell us what you got? Uh, I got uh, a laminator. Anything tech? A laminator. A laminator. Nice. Yep. I, I just laminate anything? Just for the purposes just of being able to laminate something. Just want to laminate. I, I don't have a laminator. I need a laminator. There you go. I mean, there's no really no other reason. Last week, I mentioned that we got a stream deck, and this yep. this is here, and it only it's took beautiful. It only took five minutes to set up. It's it's very. Sick. It was really really great. So now, if I push a button here, it's like instantaneous zoom in on Telestream Wirecast, and it works really really well. It does. So I'm and looking I forward to using this tonight. I love graphics for the buttons. And I haven't programmed them all in, but you'll see Wirecast here. I've got a Wirecast button and uh, standby, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I got all my controls. I'm going to set that up, and I'm going to actually be reviewing that on a future episode as well. I look forward to it. got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Speaking of reviews, tonight, I mentioned at the top of the show, this is like audiophile heaven tonight. <sighs> We're looking at a pair of Bluetooth headphones right after the break, but they've got a little bit of a twist in that mm, you don't need Bluetooth. Interesting. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Tonight is for the audiophiles in the audience. Oh, yeah. Or is it just for us? Well, <laughs> Jeff, they can come along for the journey. How did we meet? You know the story. Radio. Radio. And so part of that is our passion for really good quality sound. I think one of the most, like, other than like the the songs we played, one of the biggest conversations I always had was, "Oh, you got new headphones, right? What do they sound like? Oh, what feature like, you know." But back then, it was all hardwired into the board. Yes. There was no such thing as Bluetooth. That's true. Right? So now everything's Bluetooth and wireless. Like iPhones don't even have a headphone jack anymore, and that I know. people are like, "Oh, that's crazy." What? But realistically, I just want wireless headphones now. It's true. That's all I want. Works with all my devices and. Anywhere I go, I can have wireless music. I bought um, the um, uh, the Rebel BTs, and you you have a pair of those. I do. I yes. love them. They were my so favorite good. headphones for so long. Yes. But then after daily usage, the head strap snapped. 
No. Yeah. So they still work perfectly, but they're made of a recycled plastic. And the reviews will say, oh, it's made of plastic. They have an environmental conscious mindset behind the Rebel BTs in that it's recycled plastic and the components are recyclable and and but they still work but the plastic broke you i hate that you couldn't remelt them no <laughs> just <Didn't> try <laughs> just like use my uh my um liquid welder my plastic welder yes. to put them back together <laughs> yeah. there you go no it's too much tension on this big old uh, bald noggin of mine so i had to pick up a new set of headphones and i stumbled upon something new Okay. And a brand that I had never heard of before. Really? And they're called Power Locus. Power Locus. Power Locus. Not now, locus like, like not locus like, like the, the no, not no tees. Nah, no, okay. no. Locus. Um, you can check these out at cat5.tv slash headphones. These are my new baby. Ooh. And they just arrived today, Jeff. Oh, so like brand literally new, brand, brand new. new. Wow. They're still in the package, Jeff. Really? Should we head on over there? Yes. And take a look? Why wouldn't we? I don't know. This is how it arrived, Jeff. Bubble wrap and all. Bubble That'd be freaking out my dog all. right now. All right. I'm going to save that for the kids. There we go. First thing I notice is the Power Locust has included a lovely hard shell case. That's always nice. Mm-hmm. But how can a pair of giant headphones fit into that? Here we go. Oh, so they've got the hinge design. Okay. Yes. Are you ready? Yep. Ta-da. Okay, let's set that aside just for one moment here and get a look at the accessories. Okay, we've got a standard headphone um, cable so that you can use these if the battery is dead for some reason and you want to keep listening, um, you're going to be able to plug them directly in. That's fine. You've got a USB micro charging cable. I've got a couple of little manuals and things like that. We'll take a look at those later. No big deal. Okay, so hard shell case is the first thing I noticed, and I do love that and appreciate that. Now, these headphones have Bluetooth 4.2 and EDR. Jeff is wondering, what the heck does EDR mean? Are you wondering that? Uh, Am I right? No, I've heard of it. I know it. I'm blanking on it. Well, when you see Bluetooth EDR, it means that it has a technology in it that essentially is like an encryption blocking technology that prevents man-in-the-middle attacks, people being able to listen to your, what, music? But, Jeff, why would you care if people are man-in-the-middle attacking listening to your music? No, these have a built-in microphone, and you can use these for phone calls wirelessly to your phone. It has a traditional tactile power switch. I do kind of like that. That's cool. And uh, you just flip that on and off. Uh, Okay, we've got 4.2 Bluetooth, low latency. We've got the EDR. And you see that I've chosen orange because that's just my thing, but there are several different color options available to you. Um, Jeff, what frequency response would you be looking for? And you can feel free to switch around cameras if you want to say hi. Frequency Frequency response. So you're an audiophile like me. What are you looking for in a pair of headphones? Uh, You know what? I, I don't know. I've never really paid attention lately. I can hear you, but I can't see you, Jeff. But, okay, fine. There. Now you can see me. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, um, 
I traditionally, Jeff, yep. I look for 20 to 20,000 hertz because that's what I always figured was full spectrum. Okay, now, fair enough. These headphones, the one thing that was a bit of a turnoff for me looking at the, the specs is that they start at 110 hertz. So 110 hertz is the lowest it goes, and it goes up to 20,000 hertz. And normally that would make me say, okay, I want to find something that's 20 to 20,000 because that's just, you know, it's like a, that's just what I look for. Right. But I started looking at the reviews and people saying, oh, wow, the bass is fantastic. It's so crystal clear. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe they've done something to this. I mean, they've got giant drivers in here that's going to give it great bass, even in spite of the fact that it doesn't go down all the way to 20 hertz, which I can't hear anyways. My human ears can't even hear that. Right. So these are 110 to 20,000 hertz, and I'm going to give them a try in just a moment to see if they actually live up to the reviews. Playtime, we're going to get about nine hours. Music listening, we're going to get about six to eight hours of talk time if we're using them for phone calls and things like that. You can switch between the two. And it only takes two and a half hours to fully charge these. It's not bad. Now, Jeff, you want to know what really sold me on these from Power Locus? Uh, it's not the color. <laughs> is it the, the cushiness like the of the earphones? Yeah, the cushiness is good. They look cool, blah, 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 blah. Headphones are headphones. There are a million to choose from on Amazon. Cooks you breakfast. We've got tactile buttons for volume and things like that. Great. Yeah, that's cool. And then <gasps> we have that? a micro SD port. What? These Bluetooth 4.2 headphones include a micro SD port that allows me to put music on a micro SD card so that if I don't have access to, let's say I don't want to stream music from my phone, maybe my phone's battery is low, maybe I just want to listen to music and go for a jog and not take my phone with me, well, I can just put them on an SD card, I've got that option. No way. That's an option I've never seen in Bluetooth headphones and I love it. In addition to that... I've never seen that. Hidden somewhere in here is also an FM radio. Built right in. So this is, Jeff... It's about everything you need. Everything that you need in a Bluetooth set of headphones. I'm going to bring this over to you. Okay. So one of the questions we have from the chat room is from the Foo, who wants to know about the firmware and how easy it is to update. Go figure. Well, updating the firmware in these, I, I've, do you update firmwares in headphones? I've never done it, so that's I something to either, check. So I don't know. That's something to check their website. I'll post a link directly below. Um, let's fire these up and see if we need a firmware update. CP wireless connected connected, just like that to my laptop. Really? Boom! It said it was ready to pair. My laptop popped up. Grabbed it. So you don't even have to put in a code? I, I didn't have to put in a code. Huh. I paired it. Wow. Let's try it. You ready? Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can hear that. <laughs> this is the impossible thing to review. It's true. Well, we can review. They just they can't hear. We'll be right back. Just This is some good television right here. Jeff's pretty particular about the headphones that he wears, and they're impossible to let you hear how they sound. Or are they? Because we have 
a very special friend here with us tonight. I'm just going to miss the rest of the show. Okay. I'm going to take these over to our dummy no! head. We've got a binaural dummy head here, Jeff. <sighs> Stupid dummy head. All right. I'll be right back. Okay. Wait, you talk you to them. You're leaving me again? Okay. Yeah. That's some sweet sound. That's got some great low end. I like that. So, am I being replaced by the dummy head? I'm jealous of the dummy head. Those are some very, very nice... Now tell me if I'm yelling. Yeah, you are. <laughs> they do sound good. I'm excited about them. They look cool, too. They do, but what's really impressive is the, the ear depth is not great on those, like as far as distance great. But when you were talking, I'm assuming you were talking, you were just mouthing, but I couldn't hear a thing. Like They're great for noise cancelling. Speak to me. Speak to me. No, I'm I can't I'm saying things to you. I can... Uh, yeah... That actually has really good noise cancellation. It does. For sure. Very nice. I felt like I was on one of those game shows. That like, put on the headphones so you can't hear. Check out the Power Locust headphones if you're interested in that. I'm in love with the fact that it also has the SD card reader. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Now, is there any audio format it doesn't read? I haven't tried it, Jeff. I just opened the box. Okay. Haven't tried it. But we'll try it. Perfect. I imagine you're going to have S like MP3 support, oh, obviously. So. Who knows? Check the specs. We're going to put a link for you. And cat5.tv slash headphones will have all that information for you. Check it out today. Cool. Those are very nice. And in keeping with our desire to be audiophiles tonight, oh. this is our chance because Sasha's not here with us tonight. It's true. So tonight, and, and considering we have our dummy head with us, in binaural 3D stereo sound. And I should mention, hey, make sure you uh, put on a pair of headphones to watch this. Yeah. Because you're going to be able to hear what the dummy head hears. Um, we're going to be right back with a set of speakers that are unbelievably good quality for the price. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Tonight, we're talking audio. Yes. We just reviewed some amazing Bluetooth headphones with a SD card slot. Mm. Something I have not seen. I, in any other I love the idea, and I can't wait to try that out. Yeah, I I'm, just gonna throw, I'm just going to load formats. it up. Just going to load it up. Sure. I think Absolutely. every format, there's no format that's not going to support these days. Come on now. 
Can you do me a favor? Try yeah. and upload like a video format and see no, if it reads the come audio. On. No, you got to convert it to an audio format. I guarantee you. Probably, but just it's like tinkering around. I mean, I feel like it's like a let me Google, Google that for you moment where I need to check. Okay. Really, Jeff? Really? Sure. Cat5.tv slash headphones. Are we really back on the headphones? Well, we don't have to be. Well, why are you asking questions about it? Because I'm still thinking about them. They were that good. Well, the thing is, is that the specifications, so looking at this a little bit closer, the specifications on the current brand website doesn't show what formats it supports. So oh, okay. perhaps here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw every audio format at it that we yes. can. I've got a license for Goldwave. I can save to anything. So let's give that a try next time around. I like it. How's that sound? Okay, perfect. Okay, so not headphones. What do we got? In the studio, Jeff, back in the radio days, yeah. one of the things that we had were really great speakers. It's like key to a radio station is having great speakers so that when you're working late, you can crank it, oh, and it sounds good. It's like your was, own personal that concert. That was my favorite part about doing Oh, the yeah. Shift. Oh, yeah. And... One of the things about studio speakers and working in, now I'm a recording artist in the past. I was a recording artist, I should say. Now I'm a dad. <laughs> I worked in a lot of recording studios. And at that time, there's, there's a style to speakers that it, it just, there's a look to them. There's a sound to them. Yes. And that's kind of what we're looking for when we're looking for good speakers. To this day, I still am drawn to speakers first by the look, then the mm -hmm. sound. True, true. I mean, you me think too. for speakers you want the sound, but it's that look that draws me in. But if they can be really good looking, aesthetically pleasing, a little bit on the geeky side, like tech-centric as far as the look goes, like that studio look, plus sound great, plus, here's, here's the one that usually doesn't fit into the mix, plus affordable. Because usually... If I'm going to spend 100 bucks on a pair of speakers, they're going to sound like we are not allowed to say it on this family-friendly show. They're not going to sound very good. Right. Now, Edifier has taken it and blown that away with their, uh, these speakers. I, I, you know, I'm just going to jump right over there. Sure. Okay. Can, I, can I do this? No, you're not allowed. Okay. We're not reviewing them. I'm going, to, I'm going to head on over to our review table, and let's, let's switch over there. Here you okay. go. All right. I love these unboxings. If Sasha was here, could you imagine? Two unboxings at once. So these are the Edifier R1280T. Oh, it's still sealed. Like, this is legit unboxing. Oh, Jeff, what kind of unboxing video would be pre-opened? Well, I'm sure you could do it to make sure that everything's there, but this is like legit. Well, if it's not, don't you want to know that on the unboxing video? True that. If they, you know, if something was damaged or something like that, wouldn't you want to know that? Yes. Okay. There we go. There we go. Okay. Nothing's going to be damaged here. You can see they're very well packaged. Absolutely. Individually. Here we go. Okay, so those are the speakers. We've got instructions. Uh... Remote control just fell out there. This is just very simple. It's got mute and volume up and down. That's kind of nice. What do we got in the bag? Let's move this box out of the way. That way I can be in focus. Okay. Speaker wire uh, from days of old. Eh? Is that a, that's actual speaker wire? It's not uh, like... Uh, that is like 12-gauge speaker wire, my okay. friend. So for plugging into a sound system. 
No. This is to connect the two speakers together, and we're going to see oh, that in just okay. a few moments. Right. We've got an RCA cable. Now, you look at that, and you think, oh, that's old school. Everything's like HDMI now. Well, what if you want to plug these into a turntable? What if right. you want to put these into uh, a record player and get retro with it, right? Cool. Uh, then we've got another RCA cable, but this one has a headphone kind of plug on it so that we can plug it into a laptop. The other thing, Jeff, is you can plug this into your TV, and now these become uh, a set of you know, enhanced speakers for your television. Or what else can you plug that into? Say a computer? Yep. Desktop computer with these on your desk? All right, let's get into these. Shouldn't be too hard to get into. Now, you do not have to buy an amplifier with these because these are powered speakers. These are not passive. Ah, uh, yes. Sorry for the wobble. There you are. Look at that. Nice and sleek. I like the wood look. Again, these are the Edifier R1280T. Now, oh, I'm going to pull the grill off because we want to get in here and see what these actually look like. The quality, I can just feel the build quality as I'm trying to pull this off, uh, is n not what you'd expect from a, a $100 set of speakers. See, that right there is very attractive. Beautiful. I'm going to use those without the grill for sure. So we've got a four-inch base driver and, of course, this, uh, this hole here. This uh, is uh, for uh, base reflex, and that's like a little two-inch kind of looking thing. Uh, we've also got a 13-millimeter silk dome uh, tweeter, um, so that um, brings out the highs. If you're not familiar with speakers, what we've got, this is like a mid-range base speaker, and it takes care of the, the middle of the spectrum. Then you've got the tweeter, which enhances those highs, so you get those really nice, crisp, high tones as well from your music. If you've only got one or the other, you're not going to have full-spectrum sound. These accommodate these will have great sound. So whether you want to plug these into your TV uh, or other devices, they do promise that you're going to get great sound no matter what surface that you've got these set on. Um, okay, specifications as far as the uh, output goes. We've got 42 watts RMS combined total. So what you see here, uh, so basically 21 watts a speaker. Pull those off. There we go. And I love the look. So we're going to take a really quick break, Jeff, and then we're going to plug these in. We're going to set these up on our main studio, and we're going to put them into binaural mode so that you can hear how these sound. Stick around. Jeff Weston. Yaman. Yeah, you're building a brand new, beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cap5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. <laughs> Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We've got the edifiers plugged in. 
Ready to go? Oh. I'm excited. Now, first thing I noticed. Okay, so you asked about the speaker cable. So I've run a speaker cord, uh, this speaker cable between the two speakers. Yes. That's it. So okay. this one is passive. All right. This one is aggressive. This one's got the amp built in. Okay. You can see that there aren't a lot of controls on there, but on the side here, we've got basic controls to enhance the sound. Yep. Uh, what does it say on here? So we've got treble, bass, and volume. That's all you need, folks. That's all you need. Yep. So treble and bass, you can control with the actual tactile knobs. Volume and mute, if you'd like, you can use the wireless controller. Okay. Are we ready to fire these up? I'm ready. Now, we have a very unique scenario here tonight. Because here at Category 5 TV, we actually have a binaural recording system. So that dummy head that you see there is recording in binaural 3D sound. So if you put on a good quality pair of headphones, you're going to hear essentially... I mean, with the limitation of the microphones in the binaural dummy head, you're going to hear essentially what it sounds like here to us. Okay. So are we ready? I'm ready. T's, those are exceptional. I can't believe they're 100 bucks. That's it? That's it. Folks, you got to check them out. Cat5.tv slash speakers. Check those out. We've got to take a really quick break. When we come back, you've got our news. Yeah, it's not going to be as good as these. Ooh, stick around. Hi, I'm Robbie Ferguson, and I love being a Vimeo Pro member. 
As a web broadcaster, I need an affordable video hosting platform that's as flexible as me. A pro membership lets you upload up to 20 gigabytes of HD video each and every week with no additional bandwidth restrictions. That means if you produce a show that uses even up to 20 gigabytes of storage, your limit resets itself the following week, so you can do another 20 gigabytes. And keep doing that week after week. Now, Category 5, with all of our shows, use roughly 10 gigabytes per week. From there, Vimeo automatically generates all the files that you need to provision your RSS feeds, Roku channel, website media player, or even video downloads in multiple bit rates, with no limits on your bandwidth usage or how many people can access your files. What's best? The price is astonishingly affordable. And for a limited time, friends of the Category5.tv network will receive a whopping 25% off the annual price. All you have to do is go through our link, cat5.tv slash Vimeo, and sign up today for your 25% discount. To top it off, you get 30 days to try it risk-free. If you're not happy with Vimeo Pro, you pay nothing. The deal is only for a very limited time. Go to cat5.tv slash Vimeo. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Jeff Weston filling in for Sasha Rickman, and here are the stories coming up this week. According to research published in Nature, a machine learning can help robots perform chemistry experiments faster than human scientists. Researchers have been exploring how algorithms can predict the outcome of chemical reactions for a while now, but the project goes one step further and actually uses a real robot to carry out some of the experiments. It doesn't look anything like what you'd imagine. There's no humanoid robot on wheels zipping around a lab or a mechanical arm swishing beakers of colorful liquid. Rather, it's a system that contains a series of pumps and reactors all attached to a mass spectrometer, a nuclear magnetic resonance spectrometer, and an infrared spectrometer. The pumps contain samples of chemicals to be mixed. The solution is then fed into reactor flasks and sent to all the different types of spectrometers to be analyzed. It's nothing too fancy, and most of the hard work is done by the machine learning algorithms, which are behind the robot. The system determines if a chemical reaction has occurred or not, scoring it at a zero uh, for non-reactive or one for reactive. The machine studies the information from the different spectrometers to see if new molecules have been forged. The model was, tra was trained on 72 reactive and non-reactive mixtures from known chemical reactions classified by human chemists. A team of researchers from the University of Glasgow built a neural network and trained it on nearly 3,500 reactions. They flagged almost 600 to be held back for validation and then tested it on nearly 2,000 reactions. It's pretty accurate and can predict if a chemical reaction will take place about 86% of the time, according to the simulations. After this stage, the robot can then begin performing some of the reactions chosen by the algorithm. The system saves time and energy by helping the chemist discard pointless experiments that probably wouldn't result in anything useful. It can also give them hints to what reactions they should explore to find new molecules for drugs, dyes, or new materials. This is neat. That's cool. I mean, think of the time-saving nature of something like that. Absolutely. And as you add more chemicals to the mix, I mean, it was just 72, but if you expand that and say go 300, like exponential increase on the amount of 
reactions you could possibly have or sure. not have. I mean, I, I know not long ago I was reading uh, that they found a new, um, uh, as a new mineral or a new. The, the scientists have I don't know, Jeff. The story was, is yours. No, no, I know, but scientists have dis- <laughs> discovered something new recently. It's a new, like aliens, <laughs> something like Just, that. But you know, a story like this to have the computer like sitting there doing the work for you. I mean, you could be off doing other research while it yeah, runs sure. the algorithms. I like the approach that it doesn't have to create reactions in order right. to understand whether or not a reaction will occur. Right. Like if I take, you know, if if I'm artificial intelligence and i know that mixing blue with green or blue with yellow will create green then i don't have to do it to know that right so if i've got a mix of chemicals i'm just going to know that hey if i mix these it will do this Mm -hmm. so then the scientists don't have to waste their time doing it it's with 86 percent probability of being accurate at least it allows them to skip over stuff that would otherwise be time consuming i would imagine like if you're doing research, oh for sure, the amount of time to just try things. It makes me wonder, though, from a standpoint of recreation, because that's one of the principles of of scientific models. Is if you're going to do something, you need to be able to cre- recreate the results. Sure, I'd be interested yeah. to see if a couple of different, um, you know, research facilities were using the exact same software, mm. you know, starting it from ground zero, if the software would produce different results as far as the algorithms would go, or if you'd still get that same, you know, oh, this will oh, react, sure. this will not. Because it says 86% accurate. So, you know, you, there is some variation that you could yeah. have. You just see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, when you take that spin on it, you start to think, oh, well, it's not really that accurate. But really, hey, if I got 86% on a test at school, I'd be thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) But think about, okay, if I have a a thousand tests to run as a scientist, Mm -hmm. if I've got to do all this stuff, to have it come back and say, oh, don't bother with that one. I'm pretty sure that that won't result in anything. Mm -hmm. To have the artificial intelligence come back and say that based on its own findings. Right. And it can work 24-7. It can be running tests and mixing things overnight so that when I, I come in in the morning, it can say, oh, you know what, I don't think there's going to be a reaction to that, right. so don't bother. I can start working on things that... You know are going to have a reaction. Or that I'm not sure. Or that the AI is not quite 100% sure on. Right. Or and maybe it comes back like, ooh, 17% chance that, it's, sure. that it might have a reaction. You're like, eh, it's within that margin of error. We better try it. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. It's funny. As I was reading the article, <laughs> I was thinking... I could see them featuring this on the TV show Big Bang Theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about, you know, spectrometers and stuff when it comes to, you know, some of the engineering stuff and the tests. And it'd be fun. That's just a TV show. Though. I understand. But this that. is reality, Jeff. I know, but I'm saying this is really a ha- show. Ah. It would could be, be a thought starter for the for the writers. Well, absolutely. I'll let them know next time. I, next time I'm talking to them. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. A prolific ha- hacking group has struck again. This time, stealing close to one million dollars from Russia's PIR bank. The heist occurred on July 3rd, about five weeks after the sophisticated hackers first gained access to the bank's network by compromising a router used by a regional branch. The theft, which is conservatively estimated at about $910,000 U.S., is the latest achievement of a group who's being called the Money Taker Group, named after a piece of malware that they commonly use. 
While utilizing several sysadmin tools and custom malware, one of the earlier hacks of the Russian bank's uh, internal network was initiated by gaining access to the home computer of one of its system admins. Now, first reported last November that members of the hack group had conducted 20 successful attacks on financial institutions and legal firms in the U.S., U.K., and Russia at that time. In a follow-up, it was reported that MoneyTaker netted about $14 million in the hacks, 16 of which were carried out on U.S. targets, five on Russian banks, and one on a banking software company in the U.K. Hmm. This is scary. You'd like to think that banks are secure. You'd hope so. But it was literally one computer. And so, okay, they've compromised a router and they've compromised one of the admin's computers that had remote access. So then I start to think, okay, so they're using social engineering tactics. Like these folks, we think about hackers. Okay, let's just kind of think about a hacker for a second. And you think, okay, they're sitting in a dark room, they're on a computer, they're breaking into computers. They're hacking into computers. They're using code to break in. But that wasn't the case here. No, they're using social engineering tactics, which means, okay, Jeff is an administrator on some big corporate network, okay? Let's just pretend. Can you role play? I can role play. Okay. Your name is Francesca. My name is Francesca, and I work at a big national bank. She works at a big national bank. And while you're working there, you're overworked, you're tired, you're working 15-hour days, sometimes... 18-hour days, yep. and you're beat. And you're just like, okay, I want a weekend off. I'm going to put remote desktop on one of the computers at work. Then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to be able to remote into work so that I can do my work from home. Sounds great. Yep. Well, now, social engineering tactics, phone rings, and Francesca gets a call and says, um, you know, we're calling from such and such. And somehow, through social engineering tactics, they've tricked Francesca into giving access to their, the, her computer. Oh, no, I've been tricked. Exactly. So now, while she's sleeping that night, presumably she sleeps. Yes. She's a hard worker. She's very diligent. But she has to get rest. Six o'clock meeting. And so they get in there at two o'clock in the morning when the computer's idle and they see, oh, look at that. There's a VPN or a remote desktop protocol connection to work. Mm-hmm. Click on that. Oh. We're in. Oh. It's a login for the bank. And boom, boom, boom. They're in. And suddenly through social engineering tactics, they've tricked or somehow hacked in. Now, the other well, side of malware. Well, malware is anything, like, it could be remote access, remote administration software. Mm -hmm. It can be remote administration tools that are legitimately used by IT personnel in order to administer computers. When I'm fixing computers halfway across the country, I don't go there. No, I send them a file, they open it, and I've got access. So if you fall for receiving that file from someone who is not me, well, you're done. Yep. And if you've got access to things like work. Now, the other side of it was this router. Now, a router that sits on your network. So the ISP shows up and says, okay, we've got your new internet router. Here you go. We plug it in, and you're up and going. You've got Wi-Fi. You've got access to the internet. People don't think much of it. And you then should always be updating oh, the firmware. The firmware is out of date by years. Um, the passwords are possibly set to default passwords and things like that. It's amazing how often that happens. It's scary. I mean, you think that it doesn't, but it really does. Yep. 
So that's a whole other can of worms. But it's, is it malware as in a hacker sitting at a computer coding something that gets into... Not necessarily. It can be them writing a code that goes out on the internet to all the IP addresses and finds routers that contain a certain signature. Right. Or websites that contain a certain signature that are on internal LAN. Right. That are hosted on the same network as the bank. Their bank, the bank website. What's sad about this story, though, is that the hacker group used a known malware program called Money Taker. And that's why the group's mm. called Money Taker. Sure. So you would think if it's known, then any competent security network at a bank sure. would be updating their, all of their software to watch for this. But, but then if they blocked so if they blocked it, Jeff, wouldn't they just, wouldn't the attacker just say, like, is it Money Taker? It could be remote desktop. It sure. could be log me in. It could be um, any number. It could be VNC. It could be SSH. It could be anything that in and of themselves are benign. Right. This router in and of itself is benign, but because it had exploits in it, they're able to crack into it and use it because most routers are, you know, you can now operate it on the network level and access other computers on the network, That's right. open up ports on the firewall to redirect to all the computers so that you have remote desktop access to them and blah, 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 and it goes on and on. I am surprised we still get stories like this, though. You would think and with it's, all it's only of grow. the various issues that we've had over the years with hack attacks and all that kind of stuff. That you think humans would wise up, Jeff? You would think, but no, we're pretty dumb, apparently. Mm, not dumb, just we are... We we f we like to fall into a bubble where we where things are benign. Like we think that our router is benign. Yeah. We think that our smart connected devices are benign, and then we find out that uh, that tracking watches have been mapping military bases in the Middle East. Yeah. Like these kinds yeah. of things, you think they're benign, but they're they can be used against us if we are not ultra careful and if we don't understand those technologies. Case in point. Autonomous cars. He's going to go there, folks. I'm going to go there. Just when we started to think autonomous vehicles were looking good, someone's developed a GPS spoofing device that can send them driving straight into oncoming traffic. Billions of people and a growing number of autonomous vehicles rely on mobile navigation services from Google, Uber, and others to provide real-time driving directions. A new proof-of-concept attack demonstrates how hackers could inconspicuously steer a targeted automobile to the wrong destination or worse, endanger passengers by sending them down the wrong way on a one-way road. The attack starts with a $225 piece of hardware that's planted in or underneath the targeted vehicle that spoofs the radio signals used by civilian GPS services. It then uses algorithms to plot a fake ghost route that mimics the turn-by-turn -turn navigation directions contained in the original route. Now, depending on the hacker's ultimate motivations, the attack could be used to divert an emergency vehicle or a specific passenger to an unintended location or to follow an unsafe route. Passengers responsible for the device uh, are thankfully not out uh, to cause trouble. They're from Virginia Tech, which is China's University of Electronic Sciences and Technology, and Microsoft and Research. They wanted to demonstrate the vulnerabilities in our current GPS-driven infrastructure. They warned the threat becomes more realistic as car makers are adding autopilot features so that human drivers can be less involved or completely disengaged. 
The researchers propose several countermeasures. The one they say is the most promising in terms of its effectiveness and cost is computer vision techniques to cross-examine the physical world landmarks and street signs with digital maps. Given the widespread use of cameras and LiDAR, this protection could be put in place with software-level upgrades. I like this idea that they're able to get around it so quickly and that the groups who have found this exploit by using this really cheap device are not using it for malicious purposes. I mean, you'd think... Yeah, the ones, the ones who have unveiled it. Yeah. Now, is you know, are there other devices out there? Sure. It's a $225 piece of equipment. Like, mm -hmm. that's not hard to replicate. Sure. So, uh, I mean, the fact that it's that simple to do... That's it. ...is scary. Mm -hmm. And, it's, you know, in the story, you know, talked about with emergency vehicles, I'm mm -hmm. thinking... That's a scary thought, Jeff. Absolutely. And imagine the damage that you could cause if you threw all of those on, say, um, you know, fire trucks in a city. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we got to get to this address because the building's burning. You're over here instead. Like... Just a simple... Yeah, and you'd, you'd like to you'd say... And again, it goes back to us thinking that things are benign. And you'd say, why would anyone do that? And then you hear some of the things that are in the news without getting into it and realize there are people out there that would do that. Sure. And why? The question is why. There is no answer. It's a rhetorical question, but there are people out there that would do that kind of thing. And so how do we protect ourselves against that kind of thing? But by improving the technologies and maybe 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 just the the technology providers for gps satellites and things like that will look at this and say oh dear mm -hmm. we need to make some changes we need to implement some some changes and and with autonomous vehicles like well if what about the cars that don't get the patch right or that don't use lidar in addition to satellite imagery and uh positioning and um cameras yeah. It's 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 unfortunate that this kind of stuff becomes so uh prevalent the more we advance our tech. And I mean it makes sense. Like as we advance more, you're going to have more of these exploits, but it's like every time we make a leap forward, there's somebody who's out there to do something potentially horrible. Yeah. And uh I like to have faith in the human race, slowly losing it. <laughs> like there's just there's some bad eggs out there. We're, we're fortunate that all of our viewers are wonderful people. Absolutely. And 100%. So, you know, we can't relate to that mindset. But again, it's back at hackers and what is the motivation behind the hack? Yeah, that's and true. And what is the potential damage? I mean, it could start with something benign and then, you know, like it is right now. And is it? You know, somebody thinks, hey, this would be a really great way to rob a company mm -hmm. by misleading all the cop cars or, you know, who knows yeah. what, what could be done. But, you know, that's, that's now two stories in a row of kind of hackers that are just given a bad name to hackers. But not all hackers are bad. There are some good hackers out there. No, there aren't. Yeah, there are. Come on, Jeff. Think, uh, just give me one example. Just one. Well, I've got one. So if you happen to think that all hackers are bad, think again as we look at a hardware hacker who has solved the issue of Amazon's Alexa devices. What if the user can't speak or hear? If voice of the future of the voice is the future of computing, what about those who cannot speak or hear? 
That's the question posed by developer Abhishek Singh, the creator of an app that allows Amazon Alexa to respond to sign language. Love this. Wow. Singh's project uses a camera-based system to identify gestures and interpret them as text and speech. The developer says that future smart home devices should be designed to be inclusive for deaf users. The past few years have seen a rise in popularity of voice assistant runs, voice assistants run by Amazon, Google, and Apple. And in fact, a study by Smart Audio Report suggests that adaptation of smart speakers has exceeded that of smartphones and tablets in the U.S. But for the deaf community, a future where devices are increasingly controlled by voice, this poses many problems. Now, speech recognition typically has trouble being able to pick up the rhythms of deaf users. And a lack of hearing presents a clear challenge to communication with voice-based assistance. Now, Sing's project offers one potential solution, rigging Amazon's Alexa to respond to the text to American Sign Language. The developer trained an AI using machine learning, uh, machine learning platform TensorFlow, which involved repeatedly gesturing in front of a webcam to teach the system the basics of sign language. Once the system was able to respond to his hand movements, he connected it to Google's text-to-speech software to read the corresponding words aloud. The Amazon Echo reacts, and its, lo- and its, local, its voice response is automatically transcribed by the computer into text, which is read by the user. As a solution, it is a workaround with the laptop as an interpreter between the user and Alexa. But as Singh says, there's no reason that Amazon Show or any of the other camera and screen-based voice assistants couldn't build this functionality right in. Amazon has taken the hint and has announced that as of Monday, more Alexa users will have the option to turn on captions for Echo devices with a screen. Alexa captioning has previously been available for U.S. owners of the Echo Show and Echo Spot. The company is now bringing the feature to users in the U.K., as well as Germany, Japan, India, France, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Love finishing the news on a good news story. That's cool. This is so amazing. Okay, I'll give you that. A hacker who's doing something for the good. Absolutely. There's more than just Sing. But I love this. And I love that he said... I'm just going to deal with this myself with a webcam. Taught at sign language. Unreal. Like, it's, it's amazing. So good. But what, what I, I wonder is, will they be able to take the programming and adopt it to, say, video feeds that have um, a sign language interpreter? You know how, like, you could watch, uh, you know, some... Oh, like Say use parlor. that to translate? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe you can't watch something that might be on TV, but, but it will translate it for you. Yeah. I seem to recall Microsoft was trying to do something like that, but it wasn't very accurate. And I start right. to think about, you know, how accurate is a system like Sings, for mm-hmm. example. But then you start to think about, okay, well, the English language. So to translate a video, for example, that has ASL in, embedded into the video, that would be, you'd have to, the AI the interpreter would have to know and understand the language right. that is being s- presumably spoken. Yes. And that would be incredibly challenging. Now, you look at a device like a Alexa device. Mm-hmm. The, even though it speaks the language, be it English or whatever language you've got it set to, the commands are very rudimentary. Yes. So it's, it's, 
their preset. It's like Dr. Spezzo. It's like preset um, commands that you are speaking to the device and that it is speaking back. And it's generally pretty, um, pretty basic mm-hmm. as far as language goes. Yes, absolutely. Alexa, what's the weather? Sorry, I didn't mean to set yours off. <laughs> but those are the kinds of things. And then if it responds by text captioning, then it can say whatever it wants. But if my signing, and I can't sign, so I can't do it for you, but if my signing were to set it off with, Alexa, what's the weather? And then the Google Translator said that aloud, or the Google Text-to-Speech said that aloud, then it would be quite possible. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I like that. It's cool. It's, it's neat. I like that people do this stuff. Very much so. Good on you, hackers. <laughs> Not the bank job. Yeah, those, <laughs> ones, those ones are jerks. That's right. But those of you making things more accessible, we love you. That's right. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Jeff Weston filling in for Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Glad to have you here. I'm glad I could be here to interject a few points. <laughs> And I thank you for being here this week. I hope you you had fun with us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Uh, I believe the whole crew's here next week. Are you here next week? That's the plan. I I hope so. Sasha's going to be back from her her vacation as well. Uh, I'll be here, and uh, we've got a great show planned for you. So we'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.